So yeah, don't let the beard and the bald head fool you. Um, I am not Steve. And so I just want to um, say that this is really cool. This is um, a story that's been in the making for a long time, and I'm, it's crazy how the Holy Spirit will plan things out. Um, because Steve's like, before Seder, he's like, hey, can you preach this weekend? I'm like, uh, sure. Um, and he didn't, I was like, well, what do you want to do? Um, well, just continue on in Mark. Okay, so I don't get to stop it, that's fine. Um, and yet, here we are, we're talking about something that's amazing to my heart and um, so important. And yeah, so last week, we celebrated Easter. Woohoo! The tomb is empty. Jesus is alive and we're forgiven. Um, yeah, right? Okay, now carry that energy. Keep it going. Okay. So this is a story um, where I am wearing my heart on my sleeve um, and sharing a story that was basically my greatest shame and um, yet a story that God used to bring huge amount of grace and mercy into my life. And I was fighting him all the way. So don't take away from this. Phil is such a spiritual person. He's so amazing. You know, um, please don't. And um, also, please don't go, well, Phil's doing that, but I can't do that because clearly Phil. Um, please, if you get any of that from this, you're not paying attention because um, this was not any of the things Phil was doing. Um, so like I said, we're going to just continue on in Mark and uh, we'll read through this and then we'll pray. So, and he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest. Nothing is anything secret, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who does not have, even what they have is taken away. So an easy one. Um, Steve left the the substitute teacher with the easy lesson. So um, let's pray because we're going to need this. And here we go. Uh, Lord God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this opportunity. And thank you for this opportunity that I get to share what you've done in my life. Um, And it's all you, God. It's all glory to you. Um, Just pray that I'll be, that people's hearts will be open to what um, you've been doing in my life. And um, I pray for Mexico for safety. And um, yeah, thank you so much, God. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. So, fun fact about this, um, as I was studying this and I was reading it through in the Greek, um, it's like we, we assume that Jesus is, if not the greatest, you know, certainly a great teacher. Like when he teaches something, it's meant to be remembered. People are like, oh, that's really cool. We quote it all the time, of course. But when you go one layer deeper into the Greek, you go, whoa, this is like almost musical. It's rhyming. It's got all this like play on words and everything. So this is like really cool. You can tell, you can imagine people remembering this the next day. Kind of like that song you get in your head or that jingle on the commercial. This is meant to be remembered. This was not like just something Jesus said. Either he, I have not exhaustively studied the Greek uh, through, through Mark, but either he wanted all of it to be remembered or he certainly wanted this passage to be remembered. Um, I could also just remember people humming it almost because there is this musical quality to it. So, I think it's also important for us to take a look at the context for this um, because we could get tons from this verse, these verses just looking at them. They give a lot, but there's also some things in there that I think are worth um, seeking out. So this passage is repeated also in Matthew and Luke. Um, in Matthew, it comes after the Beatitudes, like blessed are the poor, or blessed are the meek. Um, and it also is it's talking about Christ's kingdom. And it also comes right after a reminder about being salty. And not like, salty, but, you know, like being, remembering to be salty, be savory, be somebody that, you know, preserves, but also kind of, uh, you know, shakes things up, I guess. Um, In Luke, it comes right after Jonah, uh, where he goes, um, no sign will be given to this generation except the sign of Jonah, which we often go, oh, okay, three days in the belly of the whale, he's resurrected, like, yeah, that's true. But it's also... in connected to my story, is a story of um, Jonah, was so, Jonah was told, hey, go to Nineveh and preach. And Jonah's like, no, bye, and ran. Um, and I feel like that's a really big important thing when we're talking about uh, this passage. It also comes right before, I'm sorry, uh, this passage come in Luke comes right before Jesus just basically lets the Pharisees have it. 
and says, you were supposed to be the teachers. You were supposed to be the light of the world. You were supposed to make the world better with your saltiness, with your light. And look, look what happens. So one more piece of context I think is helpful for this, and that is to talk about light itself. Jesus didn't just go, mm, I'm going to make an analogy. How about that bush over there? No, it was very purposeful light. Because light is a metaphor for showing us the way. We use a lamp. You know, my son and I just went camping this weekend. Without those lamps, it would have been pretty difficult because we got uh, to the campsite around 8 or so. So putting up our tent would have been pretty tricky without those headlamps. Thank you so much for that headlamp. It worked fantastically. Um, anyway, so uh, it shows us the way. Without a headlamp in the dark, which is what people who are in sin and without Jesus are, then we're just kind of stumbling around. Like if you're just looking, you know, like, oh, just feeling around, anything is possible. You can go any direction you want in the dark because you certainly don't know which way to go. And in the dark, you're just stumbling around. And so light shows us which way is the right way to go. It's also the result of following God and being in God's presence. Moses had the... was like covered in light, you know, rays of light were coming from him when he came down from Mount Sinai. Um, just in case you're wondering, like, okay, your word is a lamp to my feet, so, like, lamp, uh, is that, like, the light is, uh, okay, that's, like, the, the nice things. Uh, no. But Jesus is making it clear, this is not just, like, the good moral things that the Bible is saying, because, of course, that's true. I mean, the Bible talks about these good things that lead us in the right path. But Jesus makes it clear in John, I am the light of the world, I being him. Jesus is the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So it's not just that we want people to do the right thing and do nice things and do good things and be good. We want them to follow Jesus. Israel, this is why it came right before the Pharisees, because believe me, the Pharisees knew this verse when Jesus was saying to them, Pharisees, you are supposed to be the light to the world. Isaiah 42, 6 says, I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. Israel was not meant to kind of keep this amazing thing to themselves. They weren't supposed to, you know, God didn't give them the tabernacle and give them promises and all these things so they, they can go, sweet, and just kind of like keep it over here and Israel becomes great and all That's when they got lost, right? Is when they were starting to keep it to themselves and like say, well, God's got us because we're Israel, you know, and all That's not what Israel, that's not what it was about. He was the light, um, Israel was meant to be the light of the world. And Israel, now the church is grafted in to Israel. We are to be the light to the nations. And the cool thing is, light has this property. I still geek out about this. I don't know, simple things. But when you take a candle that's lit up and you put another candle to it, you have two candles. Like, I don't know, I, I still find that fascinating. Um, I like burning things. Um, so these lights, just they light up, right? Nothing had to happen you didn't have to put any you know nothing was taken away from the candle but the two light now you have two lights and mark uh the context for mark is that he just finished talking about seeds he just talked about if you remember from two weeks ago three weeks ago um the farmer just throwing seeds everywhere he's like hey seeds you know let's see what happens right because farmers aren't like oh i'm gonna put it there because that's gonna work he goes and just maybe some of them take root and so Jesus is very clearly talking, building up to this thing about seeds taking root and light being shared. So there's like, you got this context because they just heard this. Uh, Jesus' listeners just heard this. So this is what we should keep in our mind when, um, when we're hearing this passage. And then in the third, uh, Mark 22, 4.22, it says, For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. So... Right? Like, that seems like an obvious thing. Jesus says these, like, obvious things to us that we're like, oh, okay, well, thanks, I guess. But, like, we think of Jesus as this, like, you know, King James, like, stone-faced and holy, you know, thing like that. And, of course, he's holy, but at the same time, he's pretty funny. If you were, you know, Jewish humor is weird, but, you know, if you were <laughs> listening to him say this, like, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? You'd be like, Yeah. You know, you wouldn't be like, hmm, let's think about that. Like, no one buys a lamp and says, you know what we should do with this? We should put it in the garage or in the basement or, like, hide it under the bed. No, you turn it on. It, you bought the lamp for it to be seen. And nothing is hidden except to be made manifest. So the joke isn't about the candle. That's not the funny part. The funny part is that you covered it up. And in Matthew 25, there's a similar story about a servant, uh, a master going and leaving his servants with his talents, his gold, which 
It's crazy to me. Um, it's like, here's all my money, servants. Go ahead and you know, do the right thing with this. And so he goes away. The servants, one of the servants goes and multiplies by, I believe, five times. And um, one multiplies it by two times. And you'd think the, the other one's going like, to you know, do something really cool with it. But no, the, ser- the master comes back and the servant goes, so I know you want me to keep this money safe. So what I did was I buried it in the ground. And you're supposed to be like, that was your investment strategy? Like, wait a second. Um, no, I wanted you to do something with it. I wouldn't have given you the money. I could have given it to other people if I wanted it to just be kept safe. I wanted you to do something with it. You're my servant. And so the whole point of these analogies is meant to make you go, oh man, how could you possibly put a lamp under a basket? Like who would do that? Or bury your money under the in, underground? Like why would you do that? So keep that in mind, that absurdity, as we go, okay, so what is the light in our situation? It's not an actual light. It's the light of Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world. And it's just as incredible, like absurd, that if you believe what Jesus has said, that I have saved you, I have washed you clean of your sins, I, will, I am preparing a place for you to live with me forever in the presence of the Father. If that has like computed in your brain, and then for you to go, cool, I'm going to go watch Netflix. Um, like, if you can, like, just kind of keep quiet about it and not tell anybody, that's absurd. That's as absurd as the whole uh, keeping a lamp under a stand. So, we're all here to share. I think it's probably why we don't, like, just disappear as soon as we say a prayer and accept Jesus, because we're still here to share. We have a great commission. And I learned about Jesus. I assume you learned about Jesus from somebody, and you learned about Jesus from somebody. So, like, we're all here because somebody told you about Jesus. So we have to keep this going. Now, apparently, based on surveys from the Barna Institute, 61% of evangelicals shared their faith. I don't know everybody else's reasons, so I'll just share my story, and that's what Steve invited me up here to do. Because when I started following Jesus, I felt a huge need to tell everyone about him. Because I wasn't, this wasn't like, you know, uh, God bless people who are saved, like in children's ministry and elementary and things like that, but that wasn't me. I went through my 20s, and if you had 20s like my 20s, ugh, like plenty of sin. Not good. Living for myself, hated God. Wasn't just like, eh, God. I hated, straight up hated God. Um, wanted nothing to do with it. And yet, so, so I was very grateful. When Jesus had saved me, I was like, oh my goodness, I need to tell everybody. Unfortunately, at the same time, there came this tremendous fear along with it. I don't know why, but I was overwhelmed with fear. Not just like, oh man, this is going to go. So I was like, okay, let me try this. If I just smile at people, maybe they'll want to talk to me about Jesus. Or maybe I can have one of those cool t-shirts. You know, in the 90s, like, they had those cool t-shirts that, like, you know, clearly people want to talk to you about Jesus because you got a cool t-shirt. Or something like that. I was like, I tried all these things. And no one talked to me. It turns out that people don't want to come to church to hear about how much they've sinned in front of a holy God. Right? Go figure. It's, I heard this thing that um, sinners aren't coming to church for the same reason that Criminals aren't running to the police station and children aren't running to the baths. So they don't want this. Like, they're enjoying their sin. At least they believe that they are. And we don't see that in Acts. We don't see people going, hey, you want to come to my Bible study or you want to come to my church? I mean, I'm sure it happened. Um, But they were going out. In Acts, they were going out to talk to people in the town centers and the marketplaces and the amphitheater, all these things. We have to go out. Nothing changed. We have to go out. We can't bring them to the church to hear the good news. We need to go and tell them the good news. So there's this interesting phrase here, another like, huh, thing, um, at least for me, where it says, if anyone, I don't know why I'm pointing at that, if anyone has ears to hear, I'm still new at this, um, if anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. And you're like, strange phrase like you know lend me your ears or is it like wait i have ears so i'll hear like it's a weird phrase and we go okay well jesus says that kind of thing all the time let's just ignore it i don't know whatever Uh, it's just his cool phrase um it turns out though that if you were a jewish follower if you were a um, jewish person back then you would have heard something very differently and it would have made you go (gasps) conviction 
Why? Because this, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear, is actually um, kind of hard. It's meant to bring a Jewish person's mind back to the Shema prayer. And Shema is um, the beginning word of this prayer that's considered to be like the central prayer of Judaism. Like if you ask somebody, what do you do to follow your faith? You know, one of the things that a Jewish person two times a day, maybe more or less, you know, but they'll, um, they'll say this prayer. And uh, it's found in Deuteronomy 6, and it's Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. And it's, um, you probably know it better as Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So it's that central, you know, monotheistic prayer that God is one. But the cool thing is about that is it's not just that. It's saying that God is God, right? God is over everything. So whatever is going on in your life, God is God. So don't forget that. Like whenever you're like, but, 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 it's like, but I'm God. That's why we have to hear it at least twice a day. So this word Shema is really interesting because it means not just hear, because um, I've yet to hear if there's a Hebrew word for hear and don't listen, but Shema means hear and obey, hear and listen. It's kind of like, you know, those of you who are parents and you say to your kids, hey, I want you to go clean your room. And they go, okay, dad. And then you walk away, you come back in a couple minutes. You see them just doing whatever they were doing. You go, wait a second. I told you to clean your room. And they're like, right, Dad, but we heard you. Would you be like, oh, well, that's true. They, they did hear me. I did ask them, clean your room, and they said, okay. I mean, yeah, okay. No, you'd be like, no, I told you clean your room, and I expected you to hear me and then to do it. We wouldn't be like, oh, you know, your listening skills. You're, we're so proud of you. <laughs> so when he's saying, when Jesus is saying, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear, he says, Jesus is saying, I just said something that I know you heard me and I know you know it because Israel knew to be a light to the nations. I want you to do it. You're not doing it and you need to do it. And so, again, the Jewish listeners have been like, Ugh, you know. The cool thing about the Shema prayer, again, is that God is not just saying, I want you to do this and uh, so do it. It's a promise that I am God and I will be with you. He's not asking us to do anything that he himself hasn't promised that he'll do and he's going to do it. And so when he's saying, are you supposed to hide these things? No. Okay, good. We got this. So now I don't want you to just hear me. I want you to do it. Now, here's my story. Years ago, I met weekly with a team who did open-air preaching. Open-air preaching is that thing where you you stand on a box or you stand up in some public place and you share the gospel. And... It was exciting. I learned a ton, but I never personally got up on the box and shared. I would have, you know, one-on-one conversations and all that, which is great. But I felt this need. I felt this like God saying, hey, get up on the box. Tell people the gospel. Tell this large crowd the gospel. And I was like, no, 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 no. That's not me. You clearly want that person over there. And eventually, you know, fear uh, came over me. I was listening to the fear. And I told God no so many times. Like, he wasn't just saying get up on the box every week. He was also saying, hey, you became a Christian. You now understand how amazing this is and you've been saved from the sin that you had. Well, guess what? All of your friends are, you know, following, um, are in darkness and are sinning. They should probably hear the gospel too. Why don't you tell that friend? Why don't you tell that coworker? Why don't you tell that family member? I'm like, no, 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 no. That's 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 somebody else's job. Like, I, I no. Um, and the crazy thing is, I kept listening to those lies over and over again and saying, no, 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 God, you clearly want somebody else. And God is a perfect gentleman and eventually respected my choices and said, okay. And that was the end of that. And I was like, ah. For like a second, you know, but you should always be terrified when you feel that. Um, I was like, ah, no longer do I feel that uh, nudging by the Holy Spirit to talk to someone, right? That should have terrified me, and looking back, it does. But at the time, I was like, ah, thank goodness. The crazy thing is, though, it basically killed my faith for a few years. I placed my faith under a basket, the basket being fear. There was a speaker at Great Wolf Lodge when uh, Pierre and I were I group leaders, you know, back in the day, um, there was this Great Wolf Lodge, uh, speaker at Great Wolf Lodge, the youth retreat, um, where he said, when the Bible talks about godlessness, it's not just talking about like, oh, those pagans or those atheists or whatever. Godlessness means a life without God, meaning living your life as if God doesn't exist. 
And that's not something that only pagans and atheists can do. That's something that we can do as well. And that's what I did. I was like, no, God, I don't want to do this. You've told me to do this. I don't want to do that. I was living like an atheist. I would have said, no, 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 I go to church. I, I, I read the Bible. I, I pray sometimes, you know, and all. I would have said, everything's fine. But I was basically an atheist. So then, uh, a couple years ago, I found a bunch of my old gospel tracts. Now, gospel tracts, for those of you not acquainted with those, they are just a slip of paper or a booklet or whatever that has a gospel message on it. Um, this is one. It's a million-dollar bill. It's not a counterfeit because there's no such thing as a million-dollar bill. Um, but, um, but it's just a piece of paper that tells people the gospel. Um, I found a bunch of these in my drawer, which I couldn't believe because I thought I got rid of them or I, you know, just left them somewhere. And I was terrified when I found them. I was terrified because I was like, oh, no. Now God's going to say, hey, I want you to start speaking to people again. There was like this arm, this lifeboat of mercy reaching out to me about faith and saying like, hey, it's been a few years. You want to get, you want to come back? I was like, no, 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 no. I have this comfortable, lukewarm faith. It's totally fine. Let's, let's leave me alone. And I mean, so let's talk about fear. Let's like dissect fear. Fear is an illusion sent by the devil. Okay, I'm seeing some nods. We get it, but you can't just believe it. You gotta like, you gotta know it. You gotta uh, like get out of here, because just as darkness is defined as the absence of light, fear is defined as the absence of faith. And we all get nervous. I'm not saying like you shouldn't be nervous. By the way, I'm not talking about like the fear that comes from like, oh no, I'm about to jump off a building. Like, no, that's that's a different thing. You know, don't do that. That's a, like a founded fear. But fear, one. Uh, definition of cowardness and fear that I like, oof, this is good, is when I heard this was, fear is one who runs away from nothing. So, I'm not, again, I'm not talking about like the actual dangerous fears, but I'm talking about like, oh no, if I talk to some about my faith, something could happen. Like, yes, of course things can happen, but like, let's go through that in a moment. So fear disappears when we step out in faith. And it's replaced by joy in the Holy Spirit. And I want to share with you a couple of the things that got me out of my chair um, that God revealed to me through loving friends. Because, um, you know, maybe you're experiencing the same thing. Maybe you're all good. I don't know. But if you're experiencing fear about sharing your faith or other things, I want to share this, and I hope it helps you. So let's talk about what could happen. I find that it's actually helpful in killing faith when you say, like, what actually can happen. Because fear is this, like, you know, oh, gosh, it could be anything. But let's, uh, let's find out. It's not actually anything. It's not everything. It's just four things. So I'm going to go over here to make my spectrum. What is the worst thing that can happen if you share your faith? Audience participation. Rejection. What? Rejection, you said? Oh, okay. Rejection, people laugh. That's it? Huh? Yeah. You could be killed, mocked. Those are bad. I mean, like, right? I checked. They're bad. Um, they're not fun. I've experienced them. No one likes them. I mean, the killing. No, I haven't experienced them. But. Anyway, no one wants to be rejected. No one wants to be killed. No one wants to be, right? Of course not. That's the worst outcome. That is legitimately the worst possible thing that can happen to you. But guess what? Jesus covered that, actually. He said, blessed are you when people persecute you and insult you and reject you. Because great is your name in heaven. Because just like they rejected me, they'll reject you. If you're doing the thing you're supposed to be doing, you're going to be rejected. If you're not doing the thing, then everybody's cool with you. And, uh, you know, I don't know. So, worst case, people reject you, spit at you, all those things. I mean, they did that to Jesus. I've stood in the rain saying, hey, you know, preaching the gospel. And people are just like, oh, this guy, and staring at their phone. I've had people throw things at me. I've had people curse at me. I mean, it's not fun. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to be like evangelism and be like, it's all great, and you should totally do it. And then you're like, whoa, Phil lied. Like, it is not great to get out there and have people reject you, especially for someone who doesn't like being rejected. I work pretty hard to, like, make sure that, you know, people like me. And so, so the worst case scenario is this. But Jesus said... You're blessed. Okay. What's the best case scenario? What is the best case scenario? We'll go over here. Cheater. You went to the first sentence. 
What's the best case scenario? Would someone else other than... No, I'm a former teacher, you know. Um, so best case is... They, they're Christian. They are like, oh my gosh, I get this. Wow, I'm convicted. I see the light. I see that Jesus is the only way and I need to follow him. Otherwise, I'm, sin- I'm in my sin and I'm going to be lost forever in eternity in hell. That's cool. That's amazing when we get to be part of that. Doesn't happen all the time. I'm going to be honest with you, just like I was honest with you over there. It's not like Phil's this great and you know, anybody's great and everybody becomes a Christian. It doesn't happen. So you've got to trust God throughout all this because this happens and this is cool and it keeps you motivated. But there's two other situations because I find that I get afraid when I forget that. When I think, oh, there's only two options. The worst, they're going to beat me up, they're going to hate me, they're going to say no, they're going to kill me, that kind of stuff, or they become a Christian. And when we think about those two like extremes, we go, oh, ma'am, I can't do this. Either it's really good or really bad. Forget that. There's probably some you know, psychology, economics thing that says like people won't do things when there's only two extremes. It turns out that there's two more options. So, worst case scenario, someone says, you know, spits on you, all those kinds of things. What is another thing that could happen? You tell somebody the gospel, they don't become a Christian, but what do we call that? They don't respond, but what? They plant seeds. We plant seeds. Okay? Apparently, somebody did a study of this, that it takes, on average, seven times for people to hear the gospel and receive it. I knew that was true of me. I heard the gospel multiple times and I wanted nothing to do with it. But we're planting those seeds. Um, it's frustrating, right? I mean, I'd love to tell you that every time I went out there, where I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this. And then people become a Christian. I'm like, well, I'm going to do this forever now. And every single time I go out there, people become Christians. No, it doesn't happen. I plant seeds. I do a lot of things that don't, you know, I don't want to do. I, I get out there. I'm, I'm very uncomfortable about it. But I'm like, you know what? I don't know what's going to happen here, but I'm going to trust God. Will these people all become Christians? I don't know. Matthew in the parable of the soils said, no, not everybody will. So that's not for us to pick, uh, decide, though. We're just planting seeds. I feel like this is where we spend the majority of our time. Um, some fun, uh, some stories. Billy Graham, the evangelist and pastor, you know, just recently went to be with the Lord. Um, he was invited to a revival. And uh, like, you know, hey, I'm going to a revival night. You want to come with me? He's like, nah. So if he can do it, you know. A man passed out tracks for decades and never heard one bit of like fruit come from it. He just stood out there and said, if you were to die tonight, would you be with God? Would you or would you be in eternity with hell, uh, in hell? Please believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Something like that. He gave that out for decades. Never heard one bit of fruit from it. But somebody actually found him and, found, and told him that thousands of people have been saved through him doing that. It all tied back to him doing that. And if you're interested, you can watch um, on YouTube this story called The Man on George Street. George, like Curious George. Um, Man on George Street, but not Curious George. Don't, okay. Anyway, I feel like people are going to be like, Curious George? Man. Anyway, so Man on George Street. Um, Hudson Taylor, the famous missionary to China, was saved by a gospel tract from his mother. And of course, there's all these stories we don't know. I, I heard a story, I don't know if it's true, of somebody being saved by a, tr- a, clan, a, a track that a scuba diver, sorry, I'm getting this straight, a scuba diver went to the bottom, found a tract in a clam. That's crazy. I've heard of people finding them in photo, in phone booths, you know, back when those things existed, all those kinds of things. Like, we don't know what's going to happen. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians, I planted Apollos water, but God gave the growth. So neither he nor pl- who plants, nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. So don't worry if you're like, ah, oh, I don't think this is working. I guess I'll stop. No, keep doing it. I mean, as long as it's biblical, as long as you're doing it with love and humility and compassion and kindness... It's probably good. Go for it. Especially the people in your life. There's a fourth option, though. There's a fourth option. So worst case, blah. Best case, yay. Planting a seed, okay. There's one more thing that I've found. And that is, we forget this one. That we encourage a Christian. We're out there. We're all kind of like, I don't really want to do this. I mean, I feel that way. I know famous evangelists are like, I'd rather watch TV at home. You know, like, this is not the kind of thing you're like, yeah. But 
When you go out there and share a track and the person goes, oh, wow, I'm a Christian, their eyes light up like they just saw something that happened in the book of Acts. They're like, wait, God still does that? Like, wait, Christians share their faith? What? This is crazy. And they got really excited. And guess what you just started probably? A chain reaction where they might do it. And when you're out there talking to people, I mean, because people come to church, but not all Christians come to church. There's a significant number of Christians who are hurting from, from, from previous things or who knows what's going on. And we can be out there at the gas stations, at the grocery line, at whatever, and talking to them. And, say, and they say, oh, yeah, I used to go to church, but I don't anymore. Oh, how come? Why? And we can hear their story of brokenness. And we can, have, we can pray for them. We can talk to them. We may, they may have some doubt like, oh, I read this thing or, oh, I heard this thing. And we can address that maybe. I don't know. But we can be out there rather than just letting them, you know, like the, like the parable of the soils, like the birds coming and eating it up. So it's going back to that um, the absurdity of hiding our light under a bucket or burying our money to keep it safe. None of us, if we think about what the gospel is and what it's meant to our lives, what it's meant in, um, what it means for us for all eternity, we go, that's pretty cool. I don't think I'm going to tell anybody else about it, but, you know. Like, what? <laughs> of course you should. Um, the other thing, the second thing, so those four were one big thing that made me go, oh, I guess that's not the biggest thing in the world. I guess I can do that. I mean, worse, that, that will happen sometimes, but these other three sound... All right. Um, the other thing that happened was somebody told me, um, somebody told me I have an idol in my life. And I'm not talking about like the idols, you know, that you go and worship to, but like the idol in my life. And it was pride and it was priorities because he said to me, Phil, what would happen if I gave you a hundred tickets to a punk rock concert? I like punk rock. Just go with it. Pray for me. I don't know. Um, he's like, what if I gave you a hundred tickets to a punk rock concert? Like, well, of course, I would, I would go and, you know, tell my friends and my family. I'd give out these tickets like, absolutely, you got to go. It's such a great call. I'd even probably, you know, I'd have some left. I'd stand out in front of the, con- the concert and be like, you got to go to this concert. It's going to be amazing. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And people would be like, eh, punk rock. I don't like punk rock. And I'd be like, oh, whatever, get out of here. Um, I'm going to give you this track. Uh, you know, I'm going to give you this ticket. I'm going to give you this ticket. And we'd be like, everybody, we can because we know that this concert's going to be fantastic. It's amazing. Right? So... He was saying to me, cool, why wouldn't you do that with Jesus? I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. So the third thing, and I think the most important thing, um, is we remember those promises that God's given us. This Bible is not meant to just be like something we read. It's meant to be something we internalize. And so I would say not just reading, but memorizing. Because when Jesus was in the desert, he didn't have, sorry, they didn't have those little pocket Bibles, you know. He had a Torah scroll. That's all he had. And he wasn't about to bring one into the desert when he fasted for 40 days. So he knew the scriptures. And so when the devil came out and started saying all these things with fear and pride and all these things, he attacked them with promises. So, for example, here's a few that I think are related. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua 1.9. And then Proverbs 29.25. The fear of a man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Psalm 118.6. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? I have a feeling this is one of those psalms that was probably written while David was hiding in a cave waiting for people to try and kill him. So lest we go, oh, it's so lovely. Like this is legitimate trench war uh, warfare here, you know. And then... Going back to that, well, people could kill me, you know. If I, yeah, that's legitimate. People could kill you if you're um, sharing the gospel. But it says, do not fear those who, Jesus is saying, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. One of my favorites, God gave us a spirit of, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control in Second Timothy. And Second Timothy, or sorry, Timothy, <laughs> uh, Timothy was an evangelist. Um, so, Paul was giving him this advice of like, hey, you need this. You need to be reminded of this. And the word in the Greek for power is dynamo, which is where we get this word dynamic. It's also like where we get this idea for a battery. And a battery is not really like, doesn't have any energy on its own really. It has to be charged up. And in the same way, you're like, I I can't do it. I'm introverted. I can't do, you know, like, yeah, that's me. That was my excuse. But I am a battery. I'm not the power. The power comes from God. 
We, already, we have this power in God. If you look at the promises, whenever it mentions power in the New Testament, it's talking about we have this power. But what happens? We forget about it. We believe the lies. You know, it's, we're just walking around, charged up batteries. We can do this. We already have this power. We just have to use it. But I said, no, 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 God, I'm introverted, so therefore I can't do it. You clearly want somebody else. I get nervous every time I speak. Well, Jesus, God was like, well, that's interesting because that's the exact kind of person I like to use. Um, because if you look at Moses, we're like, Moses was, the, you know, we see the Ten Commandments movie and go, Moses, you know, he's like such a powerful speaker. But we forget that in, when he's at the bush with um, God, Moses said to the Lord, oh my God, I'm not eloquent. I have not been in the past, nor since you've spoken to me. I'm slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said to him, who made man's mouth? Who made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. And you'd think he'd go, okay, cool. But no, he goes, oh, Lord, please send someone else. Right? How many times have we done that? And Paul, similarly, we go, oh, Paul just marched in there and gave perfect theology speeches every time, everywhere he went. He, wasn't, he didn't have any problems. But no, he says in 1 Corinthians, consider your calling, brothers, not many of you are wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being can boast in the presence of God. And then one chapter later he says, I came to you in weakness and fear and much trembling. So in, when you're reading Acts, when you're reading Paul's amazing speeches, don't imagine somebody going, oh, I am the world's greatest speaker. Imagine somebody like actually shaking and turning red and freaking out as they're talking. So don't look at what you lack. Remember what God, who God is and that he will empower you. So Steve preached this, um, on this a few years ago and like, it was like a wake-up call for me when it says, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that's in us for the sake of Christ. He doesn't go, I pray that you'll read your Bible so you'll have a full understanding. He doesn't go, I hope that you'll pray a lot so that you'll have a full understanding. He goes, I pray that you'll share your faith so that you'll have a full understanding. If you want to grow in your faith, all those things are great. All the disciplines are great. I'm not saying like do this or don't do this. But if you go out there there being somewhere, and talk to someone about your faith, guess what? You're probably going to pray before because <laughs> it's a terrifying experience. If someone asks you a question, I guarantee you, and you don't know the answer, I guarantee you you're going to go back and be like, what was that all about? Somebody just asked me a really hard question. That's a really good question. I better go research that. So if you want to grow in your faith, talk to people about Jesus. Nothing's going to get you going more. And if your faith is boring, and you go, does God still do amazing things like he did in the Bible? Well, yeah, share your faith. Yes, he does. So, if I told you about a country where 52% was Christian, would you be inspired to send missionaries there? Yes, no? If 50, only 52% of the people who lived there were Christian, would you send missionaries there? I'm getting stone faces. I would go with yes or no, but I'm getting like, <laughs> seems like a trick question. I don't know what to do. Um, okay, so here we go. Yes or no? Yes. yes. Okay, cool. Like by comparison, on average, Africa is 63% Christian and Europe is 76% Christian. Okay, so you're like, cool, yes, we would. Well, sorry, it was a trick question. I'm talking about Washington. I'm talking about Seattle. We send people around the world, and we should. We should be thinking about the place that God's placed us in, right here. According to the Bible, we are ambassadors. We are missionaries to Mill Creek, evangelists to Everett, preachers to the Pacific Northwest. We're not all called to go somewhere else, but we are all called to go. To share about a holy God who's provided one way for mercy and grace through Jesus Christ. China, Ethiopia, the Philippines, they're sending missionaries to us. Okay? So, like... Let that sit for a minute. This place is not our home, but it is where we are right now. And we can only, this is the one thing, sharing your faith is the one thing you can't do in heaven. So let's do this. Let's not miss our chance. We can't get like mad, at, oh, Seattle is going down the hill, you know, it's going, uh. There's one thing that will save it. 
And that's the gospel. So, I know you're thinking to yourself, all right, but I've seen people evangelize. And I didn't like it. I saw people with signs, angry signs, yelling at people. I've seen Jehovah's Witnesses. I've seen Mormons. Like, I don't want to be associated with all that. I get that. I hear you. I don't, do not like seeing those signs and those bad examples. I don't like seeing the cults. That we were the ones who were evangelical, sharing the gospel. I don't like seeing other people out there. But I think that's all on purpose. I think there is an enemy going against us trying to make evangelism sound really, really awful. Just because something's a, just because there's lots of bad examples doesn't mean you stop doing something. I think that we can be loving, compassionate, kind, helpful, all those things, and share the gospel in love in whatever way you think you can. So, again, I am an introvert. I'm not going to lie here. I do, you're like standing up on stage. Wait, wait a second. No, introverts love staying up on stage. Um, it's weird. Comedians are very introverted, but anyway, I'm just saying. Um, so I'm very introverted. So I'm up here, but when I go out there and talk to people, I'm freaked out about it. I'm nervous. So I have some things in my toolbox that I use to start conversations. Um, you can do whatever you want, but I have these things to start conversations. I already told you about these tracks. Um, no two conversations are the same. I'm not telling you to be like, memorize what Phil did and do it. It will fail. Don't do that. Be you. Don't be me. Because mm, it's hard enough to be me. Um, so I'd like to have four volunteers on stage. I promise it will be painless. I promise. I promise. Four people. Four people. Oh, man. Okay. One. And you're my friend. You know, like, okay. Two. Yeah. All right. Three. Woo. Okay. Four. All right. Thank you. Cool. Uh, just line up over there. So I'm sorry. I'm going to move this here. Okay. All right. So um, Jesus modeled things with his um, disciples. I feel like Lots of people talk about evangelism. I want to show you, this is not an exhaustive talk about how to do evangelism. That can come some other time. But I want to just show you that I can do something that's not very amazing. Okay? You're not going to be blown away by what I do. But I'm going to show you that fear can disappear. So here is your, you're all in character now, okay? Here's your character. You are a checker at the grocery store. Okay, so yeah, it, there you go. You're, you're in it. Okay, you are, at, you are a worker at the drive-thru. All right, you are coming to my door to deliver me a pizza. I look forward to it. And you are bored. I'm what? Bored. Oh. <laughs> Get in the character. Yeah, exactly. I know, right? So, anyway. All right. Um, so, begin. <laughs> All right. Okay, cool. Thanks so much. How much is that? $52.10. Oh, okay. Well, what was your name? Marie. Hey, Marie. It's nice to meet you. I'm Phil. How's your day going? Okay, I'm almost off. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm sure you can't wait. Um, okay, I paid, and blah, blah, blah. And I just wanted to give you this. I see that you're working really hard. I see your smile. I really appreciate that. Thanks a million. And on the back, it has a Christian message. Okay. All right, so I hope you have a great day. Uh, do, you, do you have a Christian background or anything? No. Okay, well, check out that gospel, and, um, you know, maybe I'll see you around next time I go to the grocery store, and we can talk more about it. Have a great day. Okay. Take care. Nothing amazing. I'm at the grocery line, so I don't have like 20 minutes to go into a conversation about it. But that was it, okay? Next, the barista. All right, go for it. Here's your drink. <laughs> my drink. Okay, very cool. Um, hey, uh, how much is that? Um, $10.02. Ten dollars two cents. What did I order? Okay. Just fries. <laughs> and a drink. <laughs> oh, McDonald's, man. What are you doing? Um, how, uh, uh, what was your name? Emily. Hey, Emily. I'm Phil. Um, hey, I'd like to pay for the person behind me. Um, what's their bill? Um, $15. $15? Okay. <laughs> it hasn't yet been $100 or anything, so, I, you know, I mean, if it happens, it happens. But, okay, cool. Um, yeah, I want to pay for the person behind me, Thank uh, if you don't mind. Yeah, Sorry. that's really cool. Yeah, no problem. Um, well, I'm doing it as an example of grace, and I wanted to share grace with people. And so um, I have these two tracks. If you can give one to the person behind me and say that the person gave it as an example of grace, um, it has a gospel message on the back. Do you have a gospel background? Do you have a Christian background? I do. Oh, very cool. Okay, well, have a wonderful day. You can keep one for yourself and maybe share it with somebody else. Thanks. Have a wonderful day, Emily. Take care. Okay. All right. You're doing wonderful. Ah. 
That's a big pizza you got there. All right. Got the entrance. All right. So I'm going to, um, I don't know you're here, man. There's a okay, door. Sorry. <laughs> I don't leave my door open, dude. I'm, all right. Well, fair. Okay. I'm going to go over here to my shelf where I keep this here. And Okay. Oh, pizza. Cool. All right. Thank you very much. By the way, you know what I'm doing while I'm filling this out right here? I'm leaving, yeah, he got it. Yeah, I heard a couple of you. Leaving a good tip. If I hear that any of you are like, ooh, here's a tract instead of a tip, you're going to hear it from me. <laughs> Christians should be known for generosity, okay? So if any of you are out there being like, uh, yeah, no, I'm going to hear about it because I'm talking people and I'm going to make sure that we have a talk, okay? So leave a good tip. They don't, you don't want them to remember like, oh, here's this guy who gave me a gospel message. Oh, man, that's got to be great. Uh, gave me a... Ten cent tip or whatever. Um, so, hey, I left a tip on the paper, but um, I also wanted to give you this. It has a little booklet about Christianity. Um, do you have a spiritual background? No. No? Okay. Well, very cool. Um, you have any uh, thoughts about what happens to you when you die? Uh, I don't know. Yeah? yeah? Okay. Well, then you really need to read that book. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't want to keep a pizza guy there for 30 minutes. He's got busy things. But, you know, we might have a quick question about it. Like, hey, you know, uh, if there's anything I can pray for you about, let me know, okay? Have a wonderful day. All right, and you know where I live, so you can come back. <laughs> All right, very cool. And um, my board friend. How's it going? And he's also probably got earbuds in him, so that makes, oh, I love earbuds, because you're like, oh, this is a sign. Don't bug me. And you know what? I don't know. I'm, I'm filled. <laughs> I don't like doing it, though. I'm just going to enjoy. This is masterful acting here. Hey, how's it going? Hey. What you doing there? Uh, I'm just reading. Yeah? Anything interesting? Yeah, lots of good stuff. Oh, very cool. Okay. Well, if you, if you get bored of all that, I wanted to give you this. It's a gospel message. So, Thanks. yeah. Do you have a spiritual background? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Okay, very cool. Well, hey, you know, we're sitting at the airport together. If you check that out and you want to talk about it, I'm happy to. All right, man. All right. Have a great day. Nice to meet you. Yep. Thank you all. Great acting. Very beautiful. And that is sometimes what I do, which is like an okay job. I mean, I would rather do something okay than not do it at all. Okay? So let's not be like, oh, I have to be some amazing evangelist. Like, you just saw me make a fool of myself in front of all my church congregations. So, like, you don't have to be like, oh, there's some high standard to live to. No. Just do something. Get out there. Now, if I was sitting with any of those people, I had more time, let's get into a conversation. Absolutely. Let's have a one-on-one conversation because that's where the gospel comes out. But if you don't have time, and sometimes in the checking stand you don't, or the drive-thru or whatever, I still want to know those people to know Jesus, and I don't know who's in their life. Maybe I'm the only Christian in their life. I don't know. Thousand people, um, hundred people are dying every minute. That means 3,000 people have died since I started talking. We need to remind ourselves that we don't know. We don't know if that person is going to die. I'm not trying to say that out of fear. I'm just saying it's a real thing. We have to tell people. And I don't know if they're going to know. Um, so, yeah, we have those conversations. We have a good time. And I have people, when I do it in love and kindness, I have people say, hey, thanks for that. If I say, can I pray for you? Even if I say, no, thank you. You know, like we had an okay conversation. Do it civilly. Do it lovingly. Um, at work, I say, hey, that's really crazy what happened this weekend. Or, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Or, wow, that's really cool. Praise God. Like, I'll drop these little things and, and sometimes I'll be like, hey, can I pray for you? Or, hey, tell me about that. And it takes longer with spiritual, or sorry, with uh, coworkers and friends and all those things. Like, those are lives that you've invested in and it'd be weird if like after 10 years of friendship you suddenly say something. But, you know, you can do it. Um, but it's, we can't, we can't miss out. And his opportunities. It also inspires your friends and family, other Christians. And again, I've received high fives and thank yous. I have received the bad stuff, but I've also received lots of like, oh, okay, I'm an atheist or I hate God or whatever. But I appreciate the way you talked to me. That was really respectful. Thank you. So it turns out that all those years ago, the people I was working with weekly was Ray Comfort and the Living Waters team. And if you know um, about these guys, you're like, what? I mean, that's how I felt afterwards. It was like, you know, hanging out with a celebrity, didn't know anything. You know, he's like a world-famous evangelist. And um, it makes me sad when I talk to them. I was like, oh, man, there's like 15 years of good seeds I could have planted or, you know, things I could have done for the gospel. 
And I was running like Jonah from Nineveh. And God in his mercy, again, not me, God in every part of this process, um, in his mercy allowed me to reconnect with them, overcome my fears. And last year I had an opportunity to go on a fishing trip with, uh, to evangelize along these people, alongside with these people. Um, and you might say to yourself, well, Phil, how are you going to get a big crowd with those $1 million bills? They're way too small. Well, we have big ones for that. <laughs> we have big money. Anyway, no. Okay. Um, so lots of people share Jesus in lots of ways. We all learn certain techniques, you know, to kind of help us overcome our fears. But there were one-on-ones, there were group conversations that people preached and prayed based on their story. It was really, really cool. I prayed and talked with a lot of people. And you'd think that people would be opposed. I mean, this is the beach in L.A. You know, it's a rough place to be a mission, uh, missionary. Um, but, like, you'd think people are like, uh, I'm on my vacation, dude. Get away from me. But no, people were, like, actually coming up to us. People heard, like, they saw these million-dollar bills floating around. They're like, they knew it wasn't a million-dollar bill. Like, we're not lying to people about this. But they're like, hey, hey, I heard somebody had this $1 million Christian thing or whatever. Can I have it? Like, yeah. Of course you can, by all means. Here, take a couple. Um, and so we have all these really cool conversations. And people are thinking about spiritual things more than we think they are. We think like, oh, people hate God and people don't want it. But actually, it's on their mind more than you think. And the cool thing is that if they're distracted, if they aren't thinking about God at all, we can wake them up to the fact that we are all going to die one day and have to stand in judgment before our Creator. Now, uh... This picture up here is one of my favorite pictures from that because um, we had just shared with them. The, this couple walked up to us and were like, all right, Christians, what you got? You know, like they're like tough and, you know, the, the kind of person you would be initially afraid to talk to and be like, oh, gosh, like what am I getting into here? Um, we talked with them for a few minutes. We told them about what we had done before God. Like we took them through what... Uh, Living Waters team will call the good person test, which is basically the Ten Commandments. We take them through that, and they realize that they have sinned before Almighty God, and they'll have to answer to him. And this picture right here, that face, is not one like, you know, laughter or even hating us or anything. It was like, ah, you got me. Like, they were coming up going like, oh, we're going to, you know, show you what's up. And they're like, whoa, oh, man. Oh, okay. So now what? And we were able to share the gospel. They were very interested in hearing the gospel after that. This picture right here is amazing because, see, there's the giant, there's a laser pointer on here somewhere. Oh, well, there. He's carrying a, one of these. And that's why I love these things, you know, because we joke about them and say, hey, we're giving away big money. And people love it. Like, we tell them it's a Christian message, like we're not lying, but they love it. They just like, oh, cool souvenir. Or, oh, this is fun. Like, people like to get into these things. And not everybody is... You know, everybody may say that they're opposed to Christianity, but they actually kind of want to hear about a Savior because they know they're going to die and they know that they've sinned. So in the background, you see me uh, preaching to the crowd. And in the front, you see a picture of a guy accepting Jesus Christ as their Savior. So you see, and plenty of people were like giving me a hard time. So you see both ends of the spectrum and the seeds and the encouragement all happening in this one picture. And it's amazing. And if you followed me that day, if you had checked out that day, you would have seen people who were Mormon, people who were, you know, adults who had like, oh, that church thing, I did that a long time ago. People who needed meals, so we bought the meals. People who needed prayer, people who needed encouragement. And we were able to do all those things. It was amazing. It was like, if you were like, oh, man, I wish I could be the church. These were the opportunities to be the church. It was so exciting. And we know Paul had companions when he was on his missionary journeys, like Timothy and Luke and um, Barnabas and all these people. And I suspect that while Paul was giving these amazing sermons, people were in the crowd going, hey, sounds like you heard that message and it was really, you know, touching you. Or, oh, wow, you're crying. Or, wow, you seem really angry. What's up? You know, like, they were able to minister to these people. Now, I brought a bunch of tracks. My goal is not to, like, give you a bunch of tracks, but I have a bunch if you want to get them. You can get them from Living Waters. That's because that's I, the ministry I support. Um, I love what they do, and they have really great videos online about it. Um, but you can do whatever you want. Don't go, you shouldn't leave this talk of being like, I don't want to pass out tracks, so I guess I'm not doing anything. No. Like, whatever works for you. What is your gifts that God's given you? What's your, um, the circle, the people that God's put in your life? What are your talents? Who are you in Christ? 
And think about all the people that you interact with every day. We can't make the goal, hmm, okay, there's this person I know that's not a Christian. If I can somehow get them into Northview, maybe Steve will preach the gospel and maybe they'll be Christian. Like, we can't do that because that's, like that's a really high standard of like getting people to Christian. We've got to go there. Steve and all these, um, and Northview is charging us up as a battery to go out and preach the gospel to other people. One-on-one conversations, prayer, open air. Um, on the back of your bulletin or your phone or wherever you do things, you know, like I said, I'm a former teacher, so you got homework. Just kidding. Um, but I'd like you to write down like minimum of three people that God's put in your life that you'd love to talk to them about this. You'd love to give them the gospel. And it doesn't have to be, um, it doesn't have to be somebody you know, like you know their name. Say the barista at Starbucks. That's fine. Now, like I said, I'm a former teacher, so you've got to at least pretend to be moving your pen or something. Like, this is legit. Like, seriously. We're not getting out of here until... No, I'm just kidding. I have no control of that. But yeah, and I don't want you to just stuff that list somewhere. I want you to pray for them. I want you to spend this week. Pray for them each day. If you have nothing to pray for, if you're like, prayer kind of sucks right now, uh, pray for them. Pray for opportunities. Pray for people that you could talk to about the gospel. If you don't know anybody, if like everybody in your life is a Christian, great. Pray for to meet non-Christians. I want to share this quote from Charles Spurgeon, who's a famous preacher and evangelist about 150 years ago. If sinners will be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. And if they will perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, at least let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let no one go there unwarned and unprayed for. Now, you saw I have much to learn. I have a long way to go. I am no pro-evangelist that like, you know, everything is magical or no. I'm planting seeds alongside you. And yeah, I've been at this for a couple of years and I've been learning t- tips and tricks and I'm happy to learn from you. If you saw this and we're like, Phil, we got to talk. Like, come on up. And teach me. I am very, I've said to multiple people, as soon as you show me something that's better, I'm all for it. Okay? So I'm ready to learn. I'm also happy to support you. If you're like, I think I get this, but I'd love to go out with someone, I'm down. Let's do it. I'm looking for opportunities to open air preach. If you know a place, I'm down. Let's do it. Let's do this. Everyone, I want to just summarize here. Everyone can do something. Maybe you're not passing out tracts. Maybe you're not open-air preaching. That's cool. I don't care. God wants you to do what you do, whatever that is. And then remember that fear is an illusion because fear is going to come up. You're never going to get rid of that fear. It's always going to get there. But remember those four outcomes, and hopefully that helps. I want you to replace, seek to replace fear with faith and cowardice with courage. So my cool shirt here, um, which my lovely wife made for me. So um, a few people went to Refresh, which is a conference for people who have adopted. And they came back and they kept saying this word, hinini, hinini, hinini. It was like super cool. It's like a catchy word, you know, and they're like, hinini. And I was like, what? Hinini. And I'm like, what? What does that mean? So of course I had to go look it up. And hinini is this word that means I am willing. Okay, it means I will go. It's... Famously in Isaiah where he says, who will go for us? And Isaiah says, I'll go. I'm willing. And we go, wow, Isaiah, look at you. You're so cool. But we need to all say that. You're going to be overwhelmed by fear if you aren't willing. Because it is not this like, oh, I want to evangelize, so it's going to be so easy. No, you are going to fight every battle. Every spiritual battle, there's going to be like, oh man, I got this thing going on. You're going to find all kinds of reasons not to evangelize. So you have to be willing. The flip side of Hanini is that it's not just man saying to God, I'm willing, I'll go. But it's also God saying to man, I'm with you. I'm sorry, God saying to people, I'm with you. Um, I am willing. So when, when uh, Moses and God appeared in the burning bush to Moses, he said, Hanini, I'm here. I'm willing. Let's do this. And so it's a two-way conversation. God's not saying, you've got to do this. If you don't, too bad. 
bad on you, you know. You're not, a good, you're not a good Christian. He's saying, let's do this. Let's do this. The God of the universe is saying, let's go. So, be praying, you know. Be ready. You're going to get attacked. You're going to find every reason not to do it. But then that's when you can rely on the promises of God. And we underestimate God. But this book is filled with so many promises of which we just covered a drop in the ocean of them. You're not going out alone. God wants you to be equipped and comforted. He does not want you to be comfortable. But he does want you to go out and share your faith. So let's, uh, let me invite the worship team while we pray. Holy God, thank you so much for that. Um, thank you for writing a story that is redeemed by your love. Um, study of my, uh, story of my failures and showing the great power of you, God, and showing your heart and showing how much you love this city, you love this people, and you want to see people turned to you and saved by your loving son. God, I pray for workers. I pray that people will go out in whatever capacity and means and whatever they can, that they will go and they'll talk to people, they'll share with people. I don't know what it looks like for each person, but God, I pray that you'll start that conversation with people. The harvest is plentiful, Lord. We need workers, and I pray that you'll make all this happen in your wonderful, glorious name, Jesus. Amen.